right, now we're looking at the book of James here. Now, to uh, for those of you who, who don't uh, normally come on Wednesday nights, what, what we try to do different on Wednesday night uh, is uh, we try to teach straight from the scriptures, verse by verse at a time. Okay? Whereas Sunday morning's preaching is, is very topical in nature. In other words, I'll take a topic, an idea, and then I will preach about that idea, and I might use, you know... 20 verses, I might use half of a verse, you know, and I might jump all over the place, you know, trying to make my case. But uh, whereas, so that's very topical in nature, but this, on Wednesday night, it's more verse by verse. Uh, Most churches tend to do either one or the other. And what we want to do is do both. And we can do that. We have the technology where we can do both. So on, uh, while Sunday stays very topical, on, on Wednesday nights, we want to just boom, 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 go verse at a time. And let me encourage you, uh, bring your Bibles on Wednesday nights, okay? I know we got the big Bible in the sky up here that, uh, you know, you don't normally have to bring your Bibles on Sundays and stuff like that. And if you don't want to, it's, it's up to you. But uh, what's nice about it is you constantly are able to follow along and to be able to see the truth in context. That's the, that's the best idea about a teaching this way is you get to really see how it was intended. Uh, as we're studying a verse, you can back up and see where we were, and you can look ahead, where are we going, and you get the sense of what uh, the writer was writing. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people think the Bible is very discombobulated because preachers are always jumping all over the Bible all the time trying to make their topical points. But uh, you have to remember, when they wrote these things, they weren't jumping all over the place. They were trying to say something. <laughs> okay? They were trying to make some points, trying to follow a line of thought. Now, having said that, if there's any one epistle that does jump all over the place, it is James. But uh, we'll follow with him the best we can. Now, um, we're going to read at, at verse 5 in chapter 1. We kind of left off with this uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given him. So that's where we left off. Talking about God wants to give you wisdom. You have to understand he wants to give you. So, and he's not a nitpicker. He's not nitpicking at you trying to figure out a way why he shouldn't bless you. Why he shouldn't give, give you an answer. A lot of times we do that to ourselves. We think, well, you know, I should trust God for, for an answer, but, you know, I've been kind of a slime bag, or, I, you know, I, I got mad and kicked a cat the other day, or, you know, I didn't read the Bible, you know, for the last week and a half like I should, and I haven't, you know, and we just boom, boom, boom. But God is not a nitpicker. Somebody say amen. He's not a nitpicker. He's not going around, thank God he's not a nitpicker. My nits are pretty big. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't take much to pick them rascals. You know, but he's not a nitpicker. He's not looking for every little fault and looking for a reason not to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to succeed. And he wants to answer your prayers. So he's what he's trying to say is have some confidence. Have some faith. So he goes on. So he says, number one, ask. Verse six then he says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now, the word doubt really kind of means, you know, just not really sure. Just not really sure. You know what I'm saying? I want to trust God, but I I, I don't know if I can really trust God. Well, I I want to pray, but I'm not really sure if he'll really hear my prayer. And, you know, I I feel good, but sometimes I'm not really sure if he cares. You get in that place. The devil's just going to blow you all over the place. And you're never going to be able to succeed in life. And the next verse, um, he gets kind of, kind of very, you know, in, in people's face. I like James. He's very black and white. 
He's not a real touchy-feely kind of guy. And uh, he's almost mean. But uh, he, he's, he, look what he says in verse 7. If, if you doubt and you're wishy-washy and you're in, you're out and you're not sure, he says, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Ooh, that's kind of mean. You know, straight to the point, black and white, in your face. You ain't going to get Jack, Jack. You need to have some faith. Now, if he'd have been nice, he'd have said, well, you know, a person who tosses around might have a hard time receiving from God. Or a person who's not quite sure might have to grow in his faith for a while before he can really get to where God wants him. And all the, you know, warm and fuzzies. But James doesn't, doesn't do that. He just flats out says, look, if you don't get the straight, you ain't getting jacked. You need to get the straight. Quit doubting. Quit being, oh, I'm not sure. I'm kind of sure. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm kind of sure. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm kind of sure. He goes on to say in verse 8 that this person is a double-minded man. <laughs> Again, brutal. Unstable in all he does. He's, he's tying it to your whole life, man. If you can't make up whether I trust God, you're going to be unstable. You're going to get jacked, number one. Number two, you're going to be unstable in every stinking area of your life. Wow. Kind of, kind of a tough guy. All right, just very black and white. Now, the question here is, well, how do you, how do you get to a place? I mean, everybody has some kind of doubts and stuff, right? Well, uh, it depends on what what, how, what you define as a doubt. Now, if you define any thought that pops into your head as that maybe this won't work, well, we're all doomed, okay? Because the devil's constantly whispering in people's ears, "It ain't gonna work. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're gonna die." And it's going to hurt, you know. And, and he's always whispered, but don't let that freak you out. Just get that stuff out of your head. Quit reacting to everything that flies into your brain. Get decided, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I'm just going to trust God. Why would you do that? Because I'm just dumb enough to do it. Because I just would rather trust him. Why? Because he's trustworthy. Now granted, the, the more you grow in your faith the more you'll be able to realize you can trust God. And, and as I preached a few weeks ago, you need to you know, start small. Start praying. Start seeing answers to prayer. Build on your faith. We talked about how David, you know, before he got to slaying Goliath, you know, had already slain a bear and a lion. He kind of worked his way up to the big yo mama ugly guy, you know, that he had to take out. Okay? Didn't all happen overnight, but he grew in his faith. And that's okay to grow in your faith. But don't, don't let the fact that, you know, the what ifs. There's always a what if. Right? I mean, come on. If there was never a what if at all, then, boy, that'd be easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, part of faith, you know, and, and I'm going to be preaching this verse, uh, I think, in a, in a couple of weeks. Because I want to encourage some of you that are really going through a, through a hard time. But, uh, you know, that, that whole story of the, uh, the three Hebrew children. And uh, the guy arrests the three Hebrew children and says, you better worship me or I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And these guys boldly proclaim, our God is able to deliver us. And I love the next part because it goes on and says, but even if he doesn't. (laughs) Well, what does that mean? Well, there's a little question there. You know, we might fry like french fries in that thing. But, but the beautiful thing about it is, they say, well, wasn't that doubt? Wouldn't that have ruined everything? No, because they still did the right thing. Amen. Are you hearing me? Because yeah. they said, even if he doesn't, we ain't going to bow. <laughs> you got to get there in your faith. I'm going to trust God. God's going to save me. It's going to be all right. And even if it isn't, I don't care. <laughs> I'll preach more. I'll give you. That's a sneak preview. I'll, I'll give you more of that in a couple of Sundays. But, uh, um, you know, don't don't let... This, 
the fact that there's some kind of question, the devil says, well, you're doubting. You have no doubt. No, no, no. Just, you know, obviously, if you embrace those thoughts, then it turns into real doubt. And, and you start to sink. And you start to fail. You remember when uh, Peter was walking on the water, you know, Jesus was walking, walking on the water, and Peter said, hey, man, can I come out and try that out? And, and Jesus said, come on. And he comes out there, and he's walking, and he's doing what nobody else ever did other than Jesus, right? So he's checking it out, but all of a sudden, the, you know, his brain started screaming at him, what are you doing? You can't do this, even though he was doing it. See, that's the crazy thing about it. Doubt makes no sense. Does that make any sense? Have I completely lost you? I mean, he is doing it. And then his brain starts to tell him, you can't do it. Now, it's one thing to say, I can't do it if you've never done it. It's another thing to think, I can't do it when you're doing it. You know, I have people all the time come up to me, just irritates the snot out of me. You know, you know, as I travel around the country, well, what, you know, how often do you do these seminars? I say, I'll do this and that and preaching and sharing and doing television stuff. And, and, and then you pastor a church too? Yeah. It was a little tiny church. It was a great big old mama church in Green Bay. And, all the, and they always, they always say, well, we, you can't do that. Oh, well, you idiot. Of course I can. Because I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing. People will try and tell you you can't even when you're doing it. And Peter, instead of realizing, don't tell me I can't. Obviously, I can, you know. He started doubting what he was experiencing and hearing, and hearing those doubts in his head. And he embraced those things. See, as soon as those thoughts came in, he should have just pushed them out. So you just push them out. Don't let the devil condemn you or lock you down every time you have a straight thought, thought going flying through your head. Because if that's the case, then we're all doomed. All right? When you really start doubting is when you really start believing the questions. And you become uncertain. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can really trust God in this situation. I, I maybe need to trust myself or maybe I need to do this. Da, 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 da. Well, you get into a place where, Paul, or, where James says, look, you can't do that. The only way you're ever going to get anything from God is to just believe. In fact, let me cheat here. Let's back up just a, a little bit in Hebrews. A couple of pages there. Uh, Hebrews 11th chapter to our Bible in the sky person back there uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6 Hebrews 11 6 there it goes and, and without faith it is what? Impossible. impossible to please God you've got to have faith you've got to have it. that's why he says without faith you, you can't get anything from God Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Which is, you notice the two is tied together. It's easy to say, well, I know God exists. A lot of you have no question doubting God exists. What you doubt is that he'll reward you. You catching that? Well, I know God, you know, God likes people. He just doesn't like me. You know, <laughs> then you think that way. You know, God, God wouldn't answer my prayer because he knows me. I wouldn't answer God, my prayer if I was God. You know, that kind of stuff. And you start beating yourself up and doubting yourself and da-da-da. But it's more, it's, I love the way it's tied. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's willing to reward you if you'll earnestly seek him. That's faith. Hallelujah. See, so there's, there's a difference between knowing God can and God will. True faith is God can and he will for me. 
He can and he will for me. How do you do it? You stand on God's promise, you do the right thing, and you don't lock into every questioning thought that comes flying through your mind. That's not doubt. It's when you start really believing uh, the thoughts that come flying through your brain. All right, so continuing to the next verse. Now he changes channels. This is James. He changes channels every four verses or so here. He goes into this thing. He says, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. And the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. Because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. So he's just trying to even it out here. Look, if you have nothing, man, walk around like you've got everything. And if you do have everything, walk around like you've got nothing. Be humble. You know, God has a way of evening things out. Don't be haughty. Don't be proud. As he's, yeah, those, pr- those rich people shouldn't be so proud. But he starts out, you poor people shouldn't be so bummed out all the time. Amen? Amen. All right. <laughs> verse, verse 12. Changes channels again. Ching-ching. He's like, got a remote. He's a real man. <laughs> All real men have remotes, brother. <laughs> Enough. All right, move on. You made your point. Blessed is the man, he says, who perseveres under, under trial. Anybody know what blessed means? Anybody? The word blessed? What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but what does it mean to be blessed? Happy. Who said that? You, you win nothing. Okay. <laughs> It means happy. Happy is the man. Happy. Blessed means happy. Happy is the person who has everything going his way. Is that what it says? No, 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 no. Happy is the person who perseveres when everything absolutely reeks and stinks in his life. When he's going through trial. Why? Because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You see, we need to think more eternally. Not so much on the moment. What you're experiencing right now is just a momentary flash in terms of eternity for sure. But even in terms of your life. I mean, you know, what's a year? Look back over your life. What's a year? You know, boom. What was the last 20 years of your life if you're old enough? Nothing. First 20 years go. Next 20 years go. Next 20 years go. You'll be lucky if you make the next. (laughs) You know, life is short. And your temporary trials, you need to understand, whatever struggles I'm going through, this is temporary. It's just a season. There's all kinds of seasons in life. And uh, we shouldn't get discouraged by the seasons. Of life, um, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes talks about there's a there's a time to plant, a time to reap, a time this da 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 da. Uh, a message that I think our young people are really missing today. They don't have any concept about planting time, time to sow, time to work, time to get out there and sweat. And at the end of the day, what do you see? A bunch of dirt turned over. This is the problem with finances. You know, we live in a culture today where they think, honestly, they should have what mom and dad had when they left home. 
They don't put it into get a clue that mom and dad worked for 40 years to get where they are. Right? There's seasons. There's seasons where things are hard. Those of you who are starting uh, a, a new business. You know, I always encourage guys who, who go start a new business. It'll be uh, one of the most <laughs> miserably exciting experiences of your life. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's very akin to hell. You know, I mean, it's rough. It's hard. Those of you who know what I'm talking about, you start a business. It is, isn't it great all the free time you have owning your own business, you guys? That's, that's one of the things. You know, I'll start my own business. I have all kinds of free time. Yeah, no way, Jack. You had no free time. It's hard, 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 hard. Why would any entrepreneur do it? Because he knows it's for a season. Because if he'll do it and he succeeds, then the rewards do come. Entrepreneurs understand you don't think in the exact moment in life. I truly believe entrepreneurs live the most faith-like life. I'm surprised the church isn't more full of entrepreneurs, really. You know, these people understand faith like nobody. Because, you know, you risk. You stick your neck on the line. Why? Because you think it's going to work. <laughs> well, is there any guarantee? Nope. None. That alone makes most people walk away. They won't do it. The fact that it may not work, yeah, I won't try. An entrepreneur thinks, you know, there's a small chance it might work. Let's go for it. There's a small chance we might pull this out. Let's do it. Hell, I'm telling you, it's faith, man. It's true faith. It's a wonderful thing. Anyway, um, they look past the moment. There's seasons. You know, those of you who uh, have young children in your life, you know, that's a season. <laughs> Talk about sticking a straw in your brain. Now that, that, that can be exhausting. Any mom say Amen. That's exhausting. Those little things are just mommy, 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 all the time. You're just constantly picking at your brain and they need your attention 24-7 and just la, 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 la. And I'm sure at times you feel like you're never going to have a life again. But be of good heart. You're going to have a life again. Why? Because they grow up. What does that mean? It means you may not be able to be as involved volunteering all over kingdom come in the church for a while. That's Okay. There's seasons of life. You know, some people actually feel bad. They'll say to me, I feel bad. I don't volunteer more. They got, you know, 12 kids all around. Man, who cares? You know, you got those kids. Nobody's expecting you to do anything except being a mom. You got enough. Enough challenges. These are seasons of life. Life changes. And you build your life. And, and the thing is, you keep looking at the end goal. If you keep looking at the end goal, then it, it helps you get through those things. What makes you... Go through those early years of those kids. Looking toward, they'll be adults. And they'll be on their own. And they'll leave the house, thank God. Okay? This is, a, this, is, this is an end result. This is an end goal. But, leave the house, hopefully, successful young men and women. Why? That's why you're taking the time. That's why you're investing in them. That's why you're strangling them. You know, stop it, stop it, stop it! Okay? Why? Because I want you to succeed! Don't really strangle him. I hope you know I'm kidding. <laughs> Pastor told me to kill my kids. You know, I just... <laughs> say drag me off to jail. Anything in life, if you're going to succeed, you have to think further out. You know, if you're, you know, you're in high school and stuff like that. You're in college. You've got to study, 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 study. Why? So you can pass this test. 
You've got to look beyond. If all, if all you do is think about right now at this moment, you, you can't get past it. Any area in life succeeds only because you don't think about the moment so much as the end result. It's, it's true in anything. Even, you know, like playing the piano. You know, it's fun. I like playing. I like being able to sit down and play and, and, and goof around with the piano. But you didn't get there right away. There were hours and hours and hours of... My poor parents, you know, you know. It's like, will you stop that? You know, I mean, it just never ends. But you, you want to get to the point that someday. right away it takes thank you very much yes it takes time so what he's saying here is when you're going through tests and trials and things like blessed is the man how do you get blessed how do you get happy by thinking of the end result this is how people who who sacrificed their lives as martyrs were able to do so with joy smiles on their faces people thinking they're crazy how is that because they could see the end result and I'm, I'm checking out of here. See, oh man, I'm telling you, just uh. you know, it's like those you know movie scenes. Every once in a while, we see uh, the bad guy. He's got like the uh, the good guy up against the wall, and he's ready to shoot him. And all of a sudden, the good guy starts smiling. And the guy says, "Why are you smiling?" You know, it's because somebody else ready to shoot you. You know, boom! And he shoots the guy. It was always kind of cool. But anyway. <laughs> Think, think beyond the immediate. Praise God. Because when you have stood the test, what is the test? Why is it worth it? Why is it worth it to go through temptation and to say no? You've got to be able to say no. The Bible says the Spirit of God gives us the ability to say no. You have to understand something. Before you come to Christ, you really don't have the ability to say no. You think you do. At some point, you'll always cave. At some point, you'll always cave to the power of sin. Because the Bible says, before we come to Christ, we're slaves of sin. It controls us. You might put on a good facade for many, and maybe you're able to say no to some things, but at some point, you'll always cave. Some of us caved with great regularity. (laughs) Some of us were nothing but a big cave-in at all times, you know. Everything that was bad for us, we said, okay. Chasing who knows what. Then you get saved. Jesus, see, the Bible says Jesus came to save us from the power of sin. This thing that drags you down, that says you got no choice, you got to do it. Well, when Jesus comes, it breaks. And what the devil fears is that you'll figure that out. He doesn't want you to know you can say no now. He doesn't want you, because you've got years, some of you got years of, of things controlling you. Be it alcoholism, be it cheap sex, be it drugs, be it anger, bitterness, worry, whatever. All your life your brain has gone tick, 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 a certain way and you are convinced that the devil has you convinced you can't say no, that you cannot change. 
But the beautiful thing about when the Holy Spirit comes, it empowers us to be able to say no. We don't have to do anything we don't want to do. Because we're free. We're really free. The challenge is to convince your brain that. That you don't have to act that way anymore. That you don't have to be that way anymore. Man, I'll tell you, when I got saved, the more I started figuring it out, the cooler it got. You mean I don't have to do those things? Cool. I don't have to act that way? Wow. I don't have to react the way I've always been reacting? Yeah, that's the good news. Now you're free. You have the ability to say no. So why would you do that? Why would you say no when it's easier to say yes? Because of what James says here. He says that when a person has stood the test, he knows he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When you're going through your biggest temptation, rather than focusing on the temptation, you need to start focusing on the crown. Hallelujah. I'm going to be blessed. This is going to be great. Heaven is going to be so cool. Hell's going to be a drag. I hope to miss hell altogether. Change the way and think long term. Think the end. This is what brings joy. This is what brings happiness. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. You know, um, let me end with this real quick. Kind of out of time already. But uh, Revelations. Go to Matthew and take a right. <laughs> uh, here's one. Revelations, uh, the second chapter, verse 11. Verse 11. He says, he... Well, let me wait for the magic video. There we go. Okay. He, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Another place, it says, he who overcomes will be able to eat of the hidden man, it says. Another place, he who overcomes, I will allow to sit with me in my throne. And here's the deal. The reason to have joy when you go through trials and temptations is because it allows you to be an overcomer. You see, you cannot be an overcomer if you don't have anything to overcome. That's why only married people will get to heaven. rest of y'all are doomed. You got nothing to overcome. What are you talking about? <laughs> now I'm just teasing. But that's the reality is when we see something and we go, oh man, oh man, I got to overcome this. Oh man. No, instead of bumming you out, it ought to be, yeah, yeah, because I can do all things through Christ. It means I can overcome this because to him that overcomes will be able to sit with Jesus in eternity. Yeah. Don't be discouraged by the overcoming. All right, I'll shut up. Come back next week. Pastor Lathan.